Can you imagine stepping into the king's presence with nothing because we did nothing? And this isn't where we're going to be parking this morning, but you wicked and lazy servant. Hmm. I asked the teens on Friday night what a New Year's resolution was. <laughs> and Krista helped us out. We had a Google out, right? And, and if I remember the, the, the definition, according to Google, whatever dictionary that was, it was a firm decision to do or not to do. And it's so applicable to our Christian lives when we, we open the Word of God and we understand that we do have a responsibility. Right? Now we understand, um, just very quickly in this passage, it's talking about believing in Christ and, and that He is the Lord and that as He's leaving, He is going to return. There's a seriousness to that. There's an accountability to that. And I can't help but think that as we knew and we know Jesus ascended and left the commission, the charge for us, that is a serious business for us as born-again believers. So let's pray. Uh, we are going to be, be stepping into to Luke chapter 18, and uh, I just pray that, that, that our hearts would be examined this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do, do thank you, Lord, that we have your truth before us. Lord, it is true. It's all true, Lord. And you've been given us your spirit to help us understand these things. But Lord, even as you've been leading my own devotions, my own time with you through First John, Lord, there is such thing as broken fellowship. Lord, and I pray that we would quiet our hearts and we would examine our hearts and we would confess what needs to be confessed this morning so we could see, see the depths of these texts that you have before us. Lord, see our responsibility. See what's hindering us. And Lord, I pray that, again, this is what's been on my heart, and I know it's been going through our church family. We don't have to do this alone. Lord, we know we have you to help us, but we have brothers and sisters who are growing and walking through very similar things. Lord, in the Bible, the New Testament letters are always calling on us to come together in unity. And I pray that none of us would would leave here attempting to do something on their own without thinking about asking someone for help. And I pray these things in your precious name. Amen. So Luke chapter 18 is, is, is where, where we're going to be this morning. It'll be the same text as, as last week um, about the rich young ruler. But last, last week we looked more at, at context and what's taking place. And this morning I'd like to just quiet our hearts over how this speaks to us today. This week is the question kept coming up, what shall I do? And last week I asked you to put a little dash underneath that, do. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? I kept asking the question this week, why is the kingdom of God not often talked or taught from the pulpit? Right, we mentioned it, but why, why is the millennial messianic kingdom not sat down and, and explained to believers, old, older, and younger, right? It is part of our hope, right, as we anticipate Christ's return. Why is the believer's inheritance not often taught? Right, and that's a, that's a serious question. 
And, and as I, I worked through it and, and I wrote down, um, even just the accountability for our lives as born-again believers. Why, why don't we visit this often? Because it is of utmost importance. Utmost importance. So I just jotted down here. Um, well, number one, accountability of the life of the believer, inheritance, and, the kingdom, and our place in the kingdom of God isn't often taught because it's confrontational. Right? Because it makes us stop and look at where we are. The ministries we're involved in, how we're serving Christ now, right? Well, this morning already in this service, we've, we've given thanks, we've quieted our hearts for the glorious salvation we have in Christ. This study that we've been looking at as a church of, of Christ leaving that commission, right? The king is, is coming, he leaves that to us to serve and obey him now, so it is confrontational, which is why many pastors and teachers, and even sometimes when I'm reading, I, I, I maybe glance over some of these things that, that call me to examine my life. Uh, it also is confrontational in that it, it doesn't line up with much of the Reformed teaching that we see today. Because Reformers don't believe in the rapture. Right? They believe that we're in this non-literal thousand-year reign right now. I mean, they don't believe what we believe. And oftentimes, people are scared to confront that. But us as, I'll say Bible-believing, evangelical Baptists, we believe that we have a place right, with Christ in the thousand-year reign. Right? We'll rule and reign with Christ. We have an inheritance that we'll see. Right? That it'll, it'll be addressed as we step in the, the judgment seat of Christ, that is a very important, precious place for us to understand. That's a promise. And thirdly, we don't teach on it very often because it does hold us accountable. And us as brothers and sisters, we're supposed to come together and admonish. If someone isn't serving or someone isn't doing, because we love our brothers and sisters, we're not supposed to let that slide. Discipleship. Right? I mean, they, all these different things, and I'll just list some things that, that we will stand before Christ and answer for. All right? just, just beginning, the living and serving now, our discipleship, having someone that you have connected with, that you are taking what you're learning, what the Spirit is doing in your life, and you have someone that you're investing in. doesn't necessarily have to be younger has to be someone who is eagerly, and you are, you are growing together, teaching them. Okay, discipleship is something that you will stand before Christ and say, look, this is how I used my time. This is how I took the truths you showed me. This is how I invested the, the gospel of the kingdom into someone else. You will answer for that one day when you stand before Christ. Teaching others our thoughts when all things are played out for all to see, our actions, how you steward God's money. Right? You will stand before Christ at the judgment seat. Right? It will, you will walk through that furnace and your inheritance, your time in God's presence for that kingdom will, will be influenced by that. We keep going. Stewardship of God's money, our marriages, um, Ephesians 5, our parenting. Right? It will be played out. It, it is our task. It's serving Christ. Your, your vocation. Your job as you're working for others, your testimony, these things will be played out and it will have an influence. I haven't quite 
got the, 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 the word that, that really hits it home for me, but it will influence your inheritance in the kingdom. So with Luke chapter 18 before us, last week we looked at context and the rich young ruler running out and he's on his knees before the king and he understands, he believes, he understands that there is something required of him. And in verse 18, let's just read this together. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now before we go any further, we got that good teacher title. Right? As Jesus taught, what was he teaching? Was he teaching philosophy? Was he teaching ideas or concepts? He was teaching the words of God. He was connecting the Old Testament scriptures. He was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. He was the Word. He was the divine revelation. So God, God himself, Jesus was teaching the words of God and this man was responding. As we look at this study, right, and the ideas of the, of the kingdom, these are truths coming from the Word of God. This isn't an idea. This isn't something that the world is presenting as a, an afterlife thought. These are the words of God. And this man says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? And that title, the Jews were looking for the, the good one of the world. And, and you read it through the interpretations, good one of the world. And I thought to myself, how many times through our study of John, all the I am statements, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. Before Abraham was, I am. How many times did Jesus try and show them, I am the good one of the world. I am the one that you're seeking from the Old Testament. Right? And as this man is on his knees, he, he's, he's looking at him going, okay, you are now acknowledging me as God? Okay, we're off to a start. Let's keep reading. You know Right? And this is a commandment. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. We read these in the Ten Commandments. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. Right? He had it outwardly down pat. Right? He, <laughs> all from my youth. He would have been the perfect teenager obeying the parents. Right? All these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, and again, last week, and I'm just trying to refresh this, Jesus, John chapter 5, the judge. Jesus, who is God, right? Knowing the things of the heart, right? Knowing what is within the man. He looks down at this man and says, you may have it all together outwardly, but you still lack one thing. That may be, be different for each and every one of us here this morning, but that is something that, again, we quiet our hearts. The king is uh, looking in, inward through us, right? The king is in us, right? And, and that is so important. You still lack one thing. For this man, it was possessions. For this man, it was money. For this man, it was position. You still lack one thing. Verse 22, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. What's, what's the command here? What's the doing for, for inheriting eternal life here? Selling it all, getting rid of it, and come, follow me. Who's the me? Jesus. 
And we can't say that loosely because we can say we're following Jesus, but if this thing's closed, what commandments are we following? I'm not talking the Ten Commandments. Right? What, what is leading our lives? How, how is the Spirit saying every morning, no, 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 this is what you need. This is what, this is what that one thing is, that one thing in your life. When this is closed, you're making up your own ideas, your own concepts. All right, let's keep reading. But when he heard this, he became sorrowful, for he was very rich. And for anybody in this room, and I hope everybody in this room can agree, when we've had to, when God has convicted us of something, and we've had to give it up, there is sorrow there. Right? We have a, a sin nature, and we have a new nature in Christ, and they're always battling. There's a sorrow there, right? And this man was sorrowful. He knew he had to get rid of this thing. And when Jesus saw that he became sorrowful, he said... And he's taking advantage of this scenario that's before him. How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, and I imagine there was some wealthy, wealthy rulers, wealthy Pharisees, wealthy people here. And the question was, as they watched, who then can be saved. But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. All right, God's the one that provided for salvation. God's the one that has given us the gospel, the word that shows us the way, the truth, and the life. God, in, in this age of grace, is the one through the Spirit who illuminates us and convicts us of, of sin, righteousness, and judgment, right? It, it, God does the impossible, which is, is a blessing when we think of our own salvation and our hope when we're, we're evangelizing and sharing the gospel to others. It's God that does the impossible. Then we have Peter, verse 28. Then Peter said, <laughs> and we've got to remember, wasn't that long ago in John chapter 6, Peter confessed Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter knew who Jesus was. Peter believed. And Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. Right? Wife, children. I mean, they left them at home. Um, careers, businesses, all the, the comforts of home, all the, the toys he would have had at home. I mean, some of the commentaries say that they were pretty wealthy. We have left all and followed you. So he said to them, Jesus, Assuredly, I say to you, no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in the present time and in the age to come, the kingdom, messianic kingdom, the eternal state, right? The things that we look forward to and the age to come, eternal life. <laughs> Ooh. Only one, one comment I want to make there with those last two verses. Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in present time in the age to come eternal life. I don't want us to think about this as a ministry, missionary verse. Oftentimes we, we read this about all the sacrifices that people made as they got on boats or got on planes or moved their families. I want us to read this and recognize that this is a command and this is an exhortation. This is an assurance, a call for every born again believer. 
Because we are called to sacrifice. Right? We are called to, as the Spirit leads, obey. Because our reward rests in the kingdom. Our reward rests in God's presence. So with that in mind. Coming back to verse 18. Again, last week we looked at context. Let's study this this morning as New Testament believers. As we read verse 18, we recognize that there is an inheritance and eternal life. Right? We recognize that there is a future coming kingdom of God. And that's something there that, that needs to be included in our gospel as we share. As people are hearing the gospel and placing their faith in Christ, they need to recognize that there's a king and there is a place for us in his kingdom. That, that's a, a key part of it. Christ is coming. He is returning. This man, in verse 18, was looking for his place in the kingdom. Just flip the page to, to chapter 19, Luke 19, verse 11. Right? And his understanding was the kingdom would, and the apostles were right there, even in Acts chapter 1, it was always Christ is going to, to put his kingdom in place immediately. Right? It was always about Christ taking his throne. It was always about me finding my place, ruling and reigning with Christ in his presence. 1911, now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem, because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Now I could preach a sermon very quickly on that because the return of Christ is imminent. Right? And I'm not language, I should have maybe studied that out a little bit more, but, but I mean imminent means there, there's nothing else has to happen. Happen at any moment. Christ's return could take place five minutes from now and we could be out early. Right? I mean it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it is imminent. It's hanging over our heads. And just as these apostles, just as this ruler is on his knees going, you know, what shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? What do you want me to do, King, Lord Jesus? It was because his kingdom was coming immediately. Now, through our studies, we recognize that that kingdom has been postponed. Right? Because Christ was rejected. Christ was crucified. He, he was buried. He rose again on the third day. He ascended. And then in Acts chapter 2, we have the beginnings of the church. Right, so as we are in this parenthesis or pause, we as the church are the voice, the hands and feet. We're, we're the kings and the, and the priests that Christ is working through here in this pause, in this church age. But what are we looking for? The kingdom of God. We're looking for Christ's return. Now, I can't lay out all the eschatology here in the, the brief time that we have, but we've been looking at it through our studies Wednesdays and Saturdays and Sunday nights, right? But we are looking for the kingdom of God. We look at verse 18, this question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? To receive eternal life, replace your faith in Jesus. Right? But there is a time for the things that, that we do and we serve here uh, in this present life that we will answer for for an inheritance. As this man is asking this question, and we recognize that it applies directly to us, this means that the believer here this morning should be asking the same question now, before the word, on bended knees, just like this ruler. God, what do you want me to do? What shall I do now to serve you for my place? 
in the kingdom? What shall I do now to inherit my thing, uh, the place and position in the, the kingdom of God? The believer here this morning must ask this question now before they stand before Christ. It's not going to work when you're standing before Christ going, boom, you know, can I have a redo? No, it doesn't work like that. We must ask this, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And here, just, just very simply, folks, understand that the believer, the born-again believer, is saved to serve. And that's easy enough for us to, to remember, right? We are saved to serve, and our inheritance will reflect that. Come down to verse 22. Again, as New Testament believers. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Who's, who's he standing before? Jesus. He's standing before the king. He's standing before the judge. Please read John chapter 5 as he's explaining who he is uh, before the Pharisees. This ruler here in context was on his knees before the king and Jesus took one look at him and addressed the hidden things that still gripped his heart. One look. I, I don't think it was a study and, or, or, a, or a psychiatrist lay on the bench and tell me about your childhood. No, he took one look right, and addressed the hidden things in his heart that were gripping his heart. This ruler had to remove the earthly things that gripped him. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Remove the earthly things. Remove those things hindering. Why? Because if he didn't remove and let's say the, the money, the hobbies, the things that, that took his time away from, from him, from Christ, we'll say the church, from the, the commission, if he didn't remove them, it would render him inactive and useless. And I don't think a useless believer, I don't think those two words should ever be used in the same sentence. I'm not barring there that God can do anything and, and, and as He works. Or, I mean, that, that's His business. But, but when we're restraining and hindering the work of the Spirit, we're inactive, right? And we find ourselves useless. What does He say? Sell all that you have, distribute to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow Me. Remove those things and come follow Me. Why? Because Jesus would have to later judge this man. Right? Jesus knows this man will come before him and he wants the best for him. He wants him to, to surrender, to be fully committed. He wants him to receive that full inheritance, which is why it needs to be addressed now. You don't put it off. You address it now. As a believer, his life will be played out before the judge. And that needs to be part of our, our New Testament understanding as we read our scriptures. Um, I took, uh, it was a Bible that Dr. Doherty gave me about a year ago. It's been sitting on my bedstand. And I just, reading through the New Testament, and every time there's a command, right? Because that's what we judge for, commands and serving, right? That, that's what our rewards, our inheritance is based on. Every time there was a command, I, I marked it in, in pink, Right? And every time there, there's a mention of, of standing before Christ, His appearing, the day, right? always looking forward to our, our place where we will be examined, we will be judged before we step into the kingdom, I marked it in orange. 
I have a very colorful New Testament now. And I also have a very quieting response. I don't even have a word for it here on the spot. I, just, just a, um, I'll just say a reverence or a respect that everything that I do and serve has to be spirit-led. And if I'm saying no to the things that God is calling me for, it's not just saying no here. I'm going to say, have to explain it again. Right? So I mean, it, it's back to I'm so thankful we took the time two years ago to start through He That Is Spiritual and walking through spiritual life. And I almost want to do it again because it, it, it will have such an influence and impact when we're ruling and reigning, serving in that kingdom of God with Christ. So what shall I do to inherit eternal life? We'll, we'll keep going here. From this verse, we see a need for full commitment. We understand what full commitment is. We drive kids to hockey and basketball ten times a week, and there's only seven, seven days in a week. Right, we understand what full commitment is. Right? Full commitment, there's a need for an examined heart and life. There was a need for his life decisions and priorities, those things that did not include Christ, did not include the, the church and the commission, the gospel, that, that to remove those things. Right? And it's very clear to see they need to go. Come and follow me. Discipleship, the teaching, the showing, the helping the poor as an example of the gospel, right? These things will, will, will led of the Spirit with proper motives, right? And, and, and in obedience, those things will earn. And, and, and as we, we stand before Christ and we hear those words, you did this for me, here is your reward, here is your inheritance. Verse 23 but when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. This ruler was wrestling and working through fleshly, material sorrow over earthly things. But I can't help but think that that sorrow won't be anything like when he stands before Christ and judged if he was not to get rid, if he was not to obey, if he was not to remove those things. And I mean, Jesus teaches this continually all through the Gospels, right? Deny yourself. Luke, just, we're in Luke, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Just a couple pages back. Right, Luke 9, verse 23. There, then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Commitment, surrender, obedience. That's not optional. Those things we will stand before the king, the judge, and he will say, okay, how did you listen? How did you obey? Right? Did you obey? Um, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 31. And again, Luke 12, 31. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Verse 33. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
serving, obedience. We'll stand before Christ one day, our King, our Savior, and answer for the things that we did and did not do. I just got a list here of, of things, different comments. Been working with God's people for, for about seven years now. And things that distract us, things that pull us away, things that we'll have to answer for because we did not give them up. Things of the world, I think of entertainments, I think of um, social media, I think of just, just the pleasures that, that, that really grip, grip my life. Right? I, I understand the dangers of a lot of the things of the world, which is why it's a daily thing to deny ourselves. Possessions, things, our jobs, sports. I mean, even, even this idea of, of family coming above number one, coming above all things, right? Family's first. Family's important. But Christ... Right? His commission, His commands. Right? Those are the things we will stand before Him and answer for one day. These are the top reasons why people say they believe. But they're not in prayer meetings. Right? These are the things of the world and the, the mentalities and the philosophies that the people who say they believe in Jesus, they're not in prayer meetings, they do not serve in the church and the ministries, outreaches, they do not tithe. The sad thing is, when they're not tithing, the people who are serving can't. The people who are in the mission field can't. And we see that distractions. We see what Satan's doing, pulling people away from putting Christ the king, obedience, and serving in all things. Is there a time when the believer tells Christ, reading his commands, reading scripture, is there a time where a, a believer reaches in their, in their lives, where a believer can say, I think I've done enough for my inheritance now, God. And just step back. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. If God's people chose, pardon me, if God's people choose to find a pew and do nothing, if the Spirit this morning is not leading you and you can't put your finger on one thing right, that God is leading you in, that the Spirit has put before you, if, if the Spirit is not working in your life, you are in a very dangerous position spiritually. Now, you're in a very dangerous position spiritually. And I encourage you to read 1 John. I encourage you to read through and, and meditate on those truths. So we are saved to serve. And I just, for the remainder couple minutes here that we have, I just want to read through some scriptures. Turn, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Saved to serve, inheritance equals reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll have to get motored. Here, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What will, will be judged? What will it be like as I'm standing before the judgment seat of Christ? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll just begin in verse 8. 
It says, now he plants, and this is being written, Paul is writing to church leaders, church ministry leaders, but we find our application in that we're all supposed to be investing in the local church, in Christ's church. There's a serving, there's an obedience. And he says, now he who plants and he who waters are one. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. There's a doing. Right? And oh yeah, it's motives and, 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 and yeah, well I understand that. But the Spirit leads in these things. The Holy Spirit is leading us as we serve in the churches, in these ministries. So, so yes, it is motive, but <laughs> it's God leading us in this. So uh, verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. Right? The apostles as they're doing these things. You, those born again believers in the church, are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, how he invests in the church, how he's serving, right? How he's, he's walking in obedience to the Spirit. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And that's what we teach here. Right? Jesus, Christ-centered, right? That's what we preach. Christ is the foundation. The gospel is our foundation for everything. Now, if anyone builds, verse 12, on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, verse 13, each one's work will become clear. For the day, when we're standing before the king, standing before the judge, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Right? This isn't salvation. Uh, this, is, this is about working for Christ. This is about examining our lives and what we did in serving and obedience to the King. Each one's work of what sort it is. Verse 14, if anyone's work which shall work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Verse 15, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. This isn't about salvation. When you place your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit regenerates you. This is all instantaneous. Right? Regenerates you. He takes up residence. He indwells you. Right? Read Ephesians chapter 1. He indwells you. You are adopted into the, the family of God, adopted into Christ, and then you are sealed. Once you have placed your faith in Christ, you have that eternal promise, that eternal sealing. But you will answer for how you worked for Christ, how you served, how you obeyed. Turn with me to 1 John. Be a little bit like a sword drill here as we, we try and land this plane. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. Right? And, and, and this is that suffering loss, the, the, the sorrow, the shame, the answering for, for how we lived or did not live for Christ here. Right? This is talking about the present time because Christ's return, that, that shout, that trumpet sound is imminent, could happen at any time. Verse 28, 1 John 2, And now little children abide in Him, continue in Christ, that when He appears, we may have confidence. Right? As, as we're being caught up, as we, the dead in Christ, however that's going to work, all, as it's going on, our promise. We shall have confidence as we step into Christ's presence. But what's the last part of that verse say? And not be ashamed before Him at His coming. 
Can you imagine, and oftentimes we read this and we think about being found in sin, right, and being found in a backslidden state, because he's writing to believers here, right, that are going to be, to be in, in, in the kingdom of God. They, they have that eternal promise. But what about if you're just not found serving, not found walking in obedience, saying, no, no, that's enough for me, Lord. I, I put my time in. Can you imagine being found? Do you not think that there will be a little bit of shame as Jesus says, what did you do for me? Those words we opened up with, lazy, wicked, right? Those, the, the inactive, useless. I mean, that, mm. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born again. That shame will last from when his appearing, that shame you'll, you'll know as you, you wait for your turn to come before him there at the judgment seat, as your life is played out for all to see, as your inheritance and rewards are being decided, you'll recognize, I did not live in obedience to Christ here and now. And you will, you will know that. It's very quickly. I mean, it, to overdo the sorrow aspect, and I get this from Hernan Ho, Hoyt, to overdo the sorrow aspect of judgment, seat of Christ, is to make heaven into hell. To underdo the sorrow aspect is to make faithfulness inconsequential. Right? To put too much shame at the judgment seat of Christ is to turn it into something. No, no, we're in the presence of God, right? I mean, there, there, this, that is our hope. That is the, the completion. I mean, when we place our faith in Christ, we're, we're fellow heirs, we're in the family of God. That is our completion, but to remove sorrow and shame and, and that, that real feeling that, that, that I did not live my life for Christ, I did not obey Him, I did not serve in His church, I did not serve in the missions, I, I missed those opportunities that come my way. To remove that, basically say you're allowed to live however you want as long as I'm a Christian here now. And we know that's not true. We know that's not true. But I'm afraid that this is where the church and many of its families have decided to park. And I say the church as a whole, right? as the Spirit moves this morning there, I want you to examine your own heart and your own lives. Because their lives do not bother them now, the way that they're living. Right? We, don't, we don't see the, the, the serving. We don't see obedience. They, they, they've placed their faith in Christ, but this remains close, and they live however they want. They, they've parked in that. They, they, they don't want to think about the shame. They don't, they don't even acknowledge that. But for those of us that do read our Bibles, we understand that we will stand before Christ, the judge. Go a little bit deeper. We will stand before Christ, the judge, and watch their lives played out. And I think to myself, sometimes as I pray and I earnestly encourage and, and, and preach, sometimes it hurts when I see God's people not responding and doing what they're called to do now. I think it's going to hurt worse then. Because they'll realize the full impact then. There are many different passages, and, and I've been studying through this topic for, for, for many weeks now. But we're saved to serve. Right? We, we, if we're growing in the Word of God and growing as the Spirit grooms us to be more like Christ, there should be a desire to serve. You know, obedience is not just not doing wrong. It's stepping out into the things that he's called us to with full, <laughs> full, full commitment, full desire. That, that, that's when you begin experiencing the joy. 
right? I mean, people say that. I mean, how do you have the energy to do that there? The Spirit's leading it. The answer is yes. Right? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? So just a couple, a couple more verses, and I promise. Ephesians chapter 2. I'll just connect some dots here. Ephesians chapter 2. This verse comes up a lot when we talk about faith and future reward and inheritance. And I just want you to read it and connect three verses instead of just the two we always. For by grace, this is our salvation, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. How do we receive a relationship with Christ? Through faith. How do we step into spiritual fellowship with the Father? Through faith in Christ and what He did on Calvary. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself. There's nothing we can do on our own to have a relationship with God. It's all through Christ. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. But read verse 10 with that. Read verse 10 with that. For we, the born-again believer, are His workmanship. Right? God is molding us. The Spirit is transforming us, and, and, and we are being sanctified in the image of Christ. We, he, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why were you saved? Because God loves us, but you are saved for good works. Right? You are saved for God's purposes, God's plan. So all of a sudden we have good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are saved to serve. You are saved to obey. And I want you to very clearly understand that you will stand before Christ, the judge, at the judgment seat, the bema seat of Christ, and, and, and will explain how you obeyed in those good works, how you followed God's will. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore be imitators of God, verse 1, as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, given himself for us, an offering, right? Christ sacrificed it all, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But, as, as he's writing to the, the church in Ephesus, writing to believers, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetous, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Is it possible to be a sinning saint? I think we're all sinning saints, right? That's what makes our, our faith and, and the cleansing blood of Jesus so important. Neither filthiness, nor foolish jesting, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather of giving thanks. Right? Don't let these worldly things be in your midst. Right? The, the things of the world, the things that Satan pollutes our, our walk with Christ, the things that we entertain with our eyes, the things we allow into our hearts. For this you know... Right, who's the you? Born-again believers, those in the church. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an adulterer has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Hmm. It's important. There's an accountability for us how we live before Christ now. Last passage, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And we'll just read down through the, the rest of the chapter. If it's not highlighted in your Bible, I encourage you to. <laughs> 
And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed. What are we going to be judged for as believers when we stand before Christ? What we do. Thoughts, deeds, motives, how we obeyed. Whatever you do in the word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. All right, you ready for some more doing? Some more obeying? Some more serving? I'm just going to read this. <laughs> Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Is that an obedience? Serving? Testimony of the gospel and changed lives? Right? To the world who's looking on? That's something that will be played out for all to see. Husbands, love your own pardon me, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. This is serving, this is obedience. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, right? Not for men to see, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Right? Is that a terror? Is that a, is that a, a I, I'm scared of God? Well, that's a reverence knowing that you're going to be held accountable for that. Right? That will be played out. There is a reverence for that, fearing God. And whatever you do, make a little mark, do, another little mark, it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But there's a flip side to that, right? Because there is loss. We read suffer loss. Um, Paul preaches in 2 Corinthians 5 that there is knowing the terror of the Lord, knowing that, that reverential, you know, knowing that there is going to be an accountability for how you live before Christ now. Verse 25. But he, he's writing to believers here, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. There's a calmness there. There's a seriousness to this. Right? We are saved to serve. We are held accountable. This is, this is the judgment seat of Christ, right? Is to cause us to examine our lives. And when the word of God is being read, it is to be responded to. Luke chapter 19, and that's, that's where, where this is heading. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. We're stepping into the, the, the Passion Week, the sufferings of Christ. And he's making sure that the apostles know that there's going to be an accountability for how they live now. I'll just read four verses and then I'll close. Luke chapter 19, verse 22, the last part of this parable. And he said to him, out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. This is just to nudge you, read it this week. Um, Work through it, write down questions, highlight, do what, do what you need to do, but, but, but seriously ponder through this. And he said to him, out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank 
at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. People standing before Christ had to recognize him as God, had to listen to his messages. I mean, how many times did he tell them who he was? And as Jesus was preparing to leave last part of 31, I'll have to be careful or I'll get back into that, 1831, he explains that first he would have to suffer. First he would have to die. He explains that to him, but he, he, he's getting them prepared. And from John chapter 12 on there, it's all about him leaving and preparing the apostles for that. But they needed to understand that there was an accountability to serving him that would be answered for. Closing thought, in churches, it should never be a secret that those who believe, born-again believers, and are not participating in serving Christ, right, it should never be a secret, and they will suffer loss. There will be an experience of shame and sorrow. Don't take this to the extreme, right? Let's not make this heaven or hell, but there, there will be a serious, oh, and I... I don't want to get in that rabbit trail. I, I know when I've really let, like prodigal son, nothing left. I wish I, I, I just, just that remorse and shame. I've experienced that. Those who believe and are not participating in serving Christ will suffer loss, shame, and remorse for it. And it won't be about what other people think. Because you'll be standing before Christ answering for that. Please, this morning, for your king's sake and those of us that will have to watch later, if you're not serving and you're not walking in obedience, please start. Please start. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would just take these texts. Lord, it's impossible for us to grasp the full meaning, but Lord, I pray your spirit would move. We would take these texts home with us. We would read through them. Lord, we would mark mark our Bibles. We would write down questions. We would study this out, Lord. We would reach out to others and, and, and just work through these texts because these are of utmost importance. Because if we don't do it now, we don't get that second chance. Lord, and I pray that these texts would help us grow, that these texts of Scripture, these truths would would change our hearts and motivate us to step out and find ourselves where you want us to be. And I pray these things in your precious name. Amen.